Now let us be seated, please. I announced that tonight I would speak on the ecumenical movement come home and what is happening in Camden County. And I wish to turn with you to this seventh chapter of Jeremiah. And in verse 19 we read, Do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to the confusion of their own faces? Jeremiah was a very lonely man. In fact, he was the only man of his persuasion that there was around in his time. Very, very few others. Everybody else belonged to the great company of the religious respectables. Those who were in charge of the temple in Jerusalem, the hierarchy. Those who sat in Moses' seat. Those who made broad their phylacteries and wore their great robes. And Jeremiah was called of God. God called him before he was born. He said before he was formed that he saw him. He said he would have a great task of going out to pull down and tear down and destroy. And then to build. And Jeremiah was a preacher of the judgment and the wrath of God. And when you read all this entire prophecy, 52 chapters, he said, is that the way that man preached? All his sermons were just alike. They all have the same burden. They're all dealing with the awful conditions that's fallen upon Israel. And he denounces them. He calls them to account. He tells them God's going to judge them. And then he suffers tremendous persecution at their hands. Finally, he was put in a pit of mud up to his chin. But of all the prophets, this man, Jeremiah, exalted the name of the Lord. And in this passage that I've read you tonight, he was told to go and stand in the gate of the temple. Just only outside the temple, there was a big temple where all the people went in and went out. And there were three things in this section that he was denouncing. First was they all went into the temple. Everybody went to the temple. But after they went to the temple, they just went out and lived like heathen. And then after they got through living like heathen, they went over to the temple of Baal and they all went over there too. And so they had the greatest time of cooperation and unity with no distinctions. Notice verse 9. Will ye steal? That's one of the Ten Commandments. Will ye murder? That's one of the Ten Commandments. Will ye commit adultery? That's one of the Ten Commandments. Will ye swear falsely? That's one of the Ten Commandments. And burn incense to Baal? That's one of the Ten Commandments. Having another God beside Jehovah. And walk after other gods whom ye know not? And come and stand before me in this house? So there are all three things in one paragraph. Will you come to my house and stand before me and come and worship and fill up the house and be here on a holy days? And then go out and steal, murder, commit adultery, bear false witness. And then go over here and offer incense up to Baal. 
And you read a little further down there, verse 13, Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood and the fathers kindle a fire and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. So they had a great time in Jerusalem. You could belong to any church you wanted to, go worship Baal, go over to the temple, have all the sinful parties you wanted to, and everybody had wonderful unity and cooperation. And Jeremiah came into town. And God said, Jeremiah, you go and stand in the gate of the temple where the people are coming. And when they come in here, you say, amend your ways, amend your ways, amend your ways. And don't you sit around and say, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. This temple of the Lord doesn't mean anything when you're out here committing sin. And don't you rise up and say that we were delivered in order that we could commit all these abominations. Did you ever hear people say they were saved so they could keep on sinning? We've been delivered so we can continue in all these abominations. And Jeremiah is dealing with the iniquity of this people as they come to the house of God, as they go over the temple of Baal, and as the children gather up the firewood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the mothers knead the dough, and they make some nice cakes and take them over to the Queen of Heaven, one of the idols, and they serve these idols. So they serve God with one hand, they serve Balaam with the other hand, and they serve the world with the rest of what they were. And Jeremiah comes into the picture as a prophet from God to tell them that this kind of conduct provokes the anger of the Lord. This kind of conduct will bring the judgment of God down upon you. And he uses that illustration there when he asked them if they will just consider uh, what happened to Shiloh and how that city, how that place was utterly destroyed. And the prophet tells them that uh, as God destroyed Shiloh, as I have done to Shiloh, so I will do unto you who are called by my name because you have committed such abominations as these. All in the world Jeremiah is doing in these prophecies is telling us that there is one God and he is holy. And his people must serve him alone. No one else but this God. And that when people know this God and serve this true God, then they turn from sin. Then they turn from iniquity. And when people come to the true and the living God and they find that they've been redeemed by his blood and by the power of the gospel which we have in Jesus Christ, then they go out to newness of life. And I can't emphasize too much in this preaching, beloved. I can't emphasize too much that all in the world Collingswood needs to clean it up is a good old-fashioned revival that would shake every house and every home and every heart and men would fall on their knees and cry out to God and we wouldn't have to have any ordinances. You wouldn't need them. And Jeremiah is lifting up the standard of the righteousness of God and he is exalting the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. If you're going to come to worship in his house, you've got to forsake Baal. If you're going to come to worship in his house, you've got to forsake your sins. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. And that's all he's saying. And beloved, it is a fact. 
that when men accept the Lord Jesus Christ, they have to give up their pagan associations and have to turn away from their idols and from their altars. And it is a fact that when a man takes the name of Jesus and is baptized in the name of our blessed Savior, you then belong to him. And we have one thing then to do, and that is to bear a faithful witness to him in our worship and in all that we do as long as we live. For we are now a child of God to serve the living and the true God. And when you understand what God's done for you, when you give yourself wholly to Him in service and in obedience, then the world has no attraction. The pagan religions and all these other things that would entice you have no appeal. And your devotion is indeed to be married to Christ and to be obedient and faithful unto Him because He is the bridegroom and you are the bride. All these concepts of loyalty and honesty and purity and devotion and singleness of heart in relationship to the Almighty God. Jeremiah was standing for them. Well, now this is the thing that's involved in what's happening to us today. We're being told, oh, let's get in together. Great fellowship. You can live like you want to. Just come on along. Get in with us. It doesn't make any difference what you believe anymore. Just so you join up with us and we can be together. It doesn't make any difference about these old things that you find in the Bible. You know why they have to get rid of the Bible today? You know why the Bible has to be discredited? You know why the Bible has to be put out of school? You know why all the attack is on the Bible? Because the Bible says that you must serve only the one and true and living God. And if you don't serve him, you are disobedient and he will deal with you. And before we can have all this broadening areas, if it makes no difference what you believe, before you can have all this broad area of cooperation with all manner of opinions and beliefs and ideas and concepts about God and about Jesus Christ and call it unity, before you can have all of that, you've got to get rid of the Bible and you've got to get rid of the God of this Bible. And thank God you and I are going to get rid of them. We're going to hold on to them because this is the message of life and truth. And this is the message of our God. Now at this point I want to make a very, very significant observation for all of you. These matters here relate to your fellowship, to your worship. You come into the house of God to worship. And our worship is to be pure. Our worship is to be in the way in which God wants us to worship Him. And we worship in spirit. And we worship in truth. And the truth which we take as the standard of our worship is His Word. So we worship Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have Christian worship in this place. It's Trinitarian in its testimony. And it is a company we are who accept the Bible as the special revelation, inspired, infallible, our only rule of faith and practice. What the Bible teaches, I believe. And the system of doctrine which this Bible contains, we have accepted and we're committed to it and we preach it. And then what the Bible commands, that's the way we live. Regulates our life, our conduct, our acts, our speech, our thought, 
We are a people who are seeking to do what God wants us to do. That's it. That's all that's necessary is to please the Lord and to praise his name. Because he has redeemed us at such tremendous cost. This means therefore that your life must be pleasing to him. It means that your church where you worship and the things you do in that church must be in accordance with his commandments and must be pleasing to him. Now our fathers that came to this new world and those who went before us in the last century and the century before that you know New Jersey's got a wonderful history I like to go back and see how these people came down from Plymouth down to Cape May and then here came the Quakers in here and here came the William Penn and then here came of course the Presbyterians and then there was a great time of the Methodist movement and revival in this country and then of course in these last 50 years we've had this tremendous influx of Roman Catholics in the state of New Jersey which has given them the numerical majority so far as the political affairs are concerned but beloved the state of New Jersey has come out of the Puritans and the Quakers and the Presbyterians and and the Methodist and that area back there for over 200 years through this particular area our whole state was just filled with these wonderful concepts that you had to honor God and keep his commandments and that's where we got our Sabbath laws that's where we got the kind of laws that are on the books in this state that protect marriage protect the home protect uh, uh, that rule out all these things such as adultery and homosexuality and all that sort of material it's on the statutes books and now the forces are taking these things away and whittling down upon them but all of that came out of the Bible because there were people living here in this state and in this country that believed these things and they wanted them to be honored and we went through that period when the Methodists were very strong and they believed you fell from grace and the Presbyterians didn't and the Baptists said you had to be immersed and some of the rest of them said you didn't and the churches had all these struggles back there 50, 75, 100 years ago and beloved this country was filled with churches that differed not on the Bible but they differed in their understanding of some questions in the Bible and that's where we had these differences but we had our religious liberty we had our religious freedom so anybody could go out and start himself a church and we have been a land of free churches not state churches not established churches but of free churches and thank God for the freedom that when we got ready to leave the apostasy of the United Presbyterian Church nobody could stop us we came out we could buy a piece of ground we have private property we could put up our church and regardless of our opinions regardless of our views we were intended to meet we were entitled to meet and worship and we've done it and we've built a great church in this place because we've had the freedom to do so Now, beloved, why did we build this church? And why did we take this stand? And why do we stand where we are? Because we believe certain things concerning our obedience to God. And we couldn't be a party to unbelief coming inside the house of God. And we could not be a party to missionary programs which preached other gospels. The Bible forbids it. 
We could not be a party to a broadening inclusivism. We said it doesn't make any difference what you believe. You can still be a minister in the church. Beloved, it makes all the difference in the world what I preach to you from this pulpit. It makes all the difference in the world what kind of preachers you have standing in the pulpits and what they give to you. And we want preachers in our pulpits that preach the Bible as the infallible word of God and tell men and women everywhere that if they disobey God's word, they then are sinning against God himself. That's why we have our standards. That's why we're here. And we've sought to maintain this testimony and draw these lines against this inclusivism and this broadening unbelief that's been brought into the churches. And this has happened in your lifetime and mine. Well, out of this broad concept, you see, came the ecumenical movement, beloved. Ecumenicals to be worldwide. It got organized on the top level in Amsterdam and all these churches, the Methodists, the Presbyterian, the Anglicans, the Episcopalians, the Lutherans, all these groups that went into it. And everything was up on the top level. And then they moved into where they got the communist churches from Russia all in there. And then they moved to these days in the last few years with this ecumenical cooperation with the Roman Catholic Church since Pope John XXII. And here you come, all on the top level. But is it going to find its way down into the lower levels? And that's exactly what's taking place right now. And on the lower levels across this country now, you're beginning to see these things take shape. I think the first local council of churches in this country was in New Mexico, where they received the Roman Catholic churches of New Mexico into the local councils of churches. They said it was a great precedent. Well, since that time, in area after area in this country, the Protestant councils are changing their names and they're receiving the Roman Catholics and now they're taking in some of the Unitarians and others are coming into these broader councils of churches and they're beginning to say, if we can work together in these local councils of churches as brethren in cooperation as we are, then, of course, we'll be able to get together in some sort of a great world church. And this is the embryo of this movement unfolding. I've been waiting for this thing to manifest itself a little more evident in our area. Of course, we are here, and in the good providence of God, he's blessed us and strengthened us, and we're in a position where our testimony is known and, and beloved by many. But I've been waiting for it to begin to show its hand. Bishop Corson, of course, came back from Rome, and he was on the television, and he shocked a lot of Methodists, and he had these medals and these honors that were bestowed upon him. And the Pope gave him some kind of a souvenir and all that we saw. And I said, sure enough, just wait a little bit, just wait a little bit. These things are going to take a little more definite shape in our area. Now, beloved, the difference between the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant Church is a fundamental difference as it relates to the Bible and as it relates to Jesus Christ. The Roman Catholic Church has a Pope who speaks infallibly and interprets the Bible. We do not have a Pope. We have no one to speak infallibly for us. The Bible itself is our only infallible rule of faith and practice. And the Holy Spirit who gave the book who inspired the words, is present now in the church to speak to his people and to bring us the knowledge of salvation from the book itself. And these two concepts of the church are millions of miles apart. 
And then, of course, in the Protestant world, in our century, we've had the rise of liberalism and the great separations that are taking place. And what is so interesting about all this tonight, beloved, is that it's the liberal Protestants, the modernistic Protestants, the Protestants that don't believe in the virgin birth. They're the ones that the Roman Catholics are doing business with. They're the ones that the Roman Catholics are working with, and they're supposed to believe in the virgin birth. And it's a strange kind of combination. And just yesterday, for the first time in this country, the New York Times, its religious editor, has a lengthy story entitled, The Catholic Cold War. I knew these things were going on. You people are beginning to be aware of it, even in our own area. We have a very liberal Roman Catholic publication here that serves the people, and the Roman Catholics are all split up and divided over their own star and herald, as they call it. But the letters that have come to me and the things that took place after Pope John's encyclical and then the present Pope receiving Gromico into the Vatican and uh, welcoming him, you see, and then when the Pope went to New York here several months ago, he shocked a lot of Roman Catholics when he gave his unconditional blessing to the United Nations. And when the Pope did that, he shook a great many of the Roman Catholics across this country who know that the United Nations is stymied by the communists and it can't be an instrument for peace as it's presently constituted. And there has developed inside of the Roman Catholic Church a great schism among the Catholics, the conservative Catholics, the liberal Catholics, now the modernist Catholics, now the fundamentalist Catholics. And lo and behold, the New York Times religious editor who is himself a Roman Catholic in yesterday's New York Times opens the question wide, speaks about the Archbishop here in Philadelphia and some message he gave up here, I believe it was in Scranton, where he opened this thing up and the Roman Catholics are finding that there are many, many in their circles that just aren't going along with this new liberalism that wants some kind of an accommodation with the communist world. That has just now become a matter of open public discussion. And you've got the same struggle in the Roman Catholic Church that we've had in the Presbyterian Church. You've got the same struggle in the Roman Catholic Church now that's coming out into the open over these great questions as to just which way they are going. And more and more of these conservative Roman Catholics are listening to us. Some of them are finding the Lord and being saved. And more and more of them are sending their, their funds to us to help us in our great struggle to raise these questions uh, against this communist involvement. But isn't it interesting? Ecumenical, ecumenical, and ecumenical is going to split right down the middle, the conservatives and the liberals, and you're going to find that realignment taking place. But this week there came into my hand this document over here, and here it is, Cherry Hill Churches, churches having membership in the council, and here's the, a, a religious guide provided by the Protestant Council of Churches of Cherry Hill. These fellowships are only in existence to be of service to God and man. They lead men to the worship of the Creator. They teach the young and the old. They give support to the best phases of community living. They introduce people to the historic leaders of the faith. So here is the faith, ladies and gentlemen. Let me read it to you. Earlton Baptist Church, King's Community Baptist Church, Merchantville Gardens Community Church, Old Orchard Methodist Church, Plymouth United Church of Christ, 
St. Andrew's Methodist Church, St. Michael's Lutheran Church, Trinity United Presbyterian Church, Woodland Methodist Church, Cherry Hill Baptist Church, Covenant Presbyterian Church, Holy, Ros Holy Rosary Catholic Church, Macedonian Temple Baptist Church, Queen of Heaven Catholic Church, St. Bartholomew's Episcopal Church, St. Mary's Catholic Church, St. Peter's Celestine Catholic Church, uh, St. Pius X Catholic Church, Temple Emmanuel Reformed, that is a Jewish synagogue, synagogue of course, and the name of the rabbis here, Unitarian Church of South Jersey, and it gives the name there. And here it all is. Here it all, this is ecumenicalism. It's come home. I've been preaching here for 30 years, ladies and gentlemen. We've never had it before. We've never, never had a council of churches put out a list of those that uh, are identified with them like this. And look what a company you have. Look what a group you have right here in our immediate county and our immediate area. And this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when you read this passage here, after you read all this list, they introduce people to the historic leaders of the faith. Well, you've got several different faiths here, several different contradictions, several different ideas. And beloved, the whole purpose of those of us who've been redeemed by our Lord Jesus Christ is that we don't do anything in any way to confuse the testimony that the Lord has given us to his name. And if you'll turn back to this seventh chapter of Jeremiah and take the 19th verse, which is my text, do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to the confusion of their own faces? The confusion of their own faces. Beloved, I wouldn't object if a sort of thing like this were put out by the Chamber of Commerce or some real estate board. That's another matter. Advertising all the churches and religious institutions in the air, that's perfectly proper. But when they associate themselves together and they come under a banner with the idea that here are the churches which will introduce you to the faith, and it says the faith. And here are the churches, listen to this, they worship, they lead men to the worship of the Creator. Well, of course, I'm of the opinion that you don't worship the Creator unless you come to Him through Jesus Christ. And you have elements in this list that don't believe that. They, they don't worship in the name of Christ. They don't come in the name of our blessed Lord. And beloved, there's none other name under heaven. Absolutely no other name under the skies. There's no other name to be found anywhere in all this great universe of ours that can bring a man to the Father than the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Oh, I'm willing to join hands with men in these other denominations if they believe that the way to come to the Father is through Jesus Christ and they'll maintain a consistent witness into that matter. I have no problem there. And you have no problem. But we can't permit our name. We can't permit our testimony. We can't permit what we're doing in the service of Jesus Christ to be confused. To be confused in any way or particular of any kind. Christ means too much to us. He's done everything for us. Oh, beloved, if you'll turn into this passage of Jeremiah, there's some great texts as Jeremiah carries this theme right on through this blessed book of his. But over here a little further, 
He tells them, go not in the way of the heathen. He says, children of Israel, don't you get yourself mixed up with these ways outside of what God has called you to bear testimony to. And God blesses the testimonies which are obedient and consistent and clean and faithful to his name. He brings confusion. You heard me preach the other day on this new creed of the Presbyterians. I've been working on it this week. and Somebody's got to really get this story out across this country. But now they've done away with the infallibility of the Bible. They're doing away with the inspiration of the Bible. They've got to get away from it. They've got to break the authority of this book that's binding over the hearts and the minds of men. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be judged by what this book says. You're going to be condemned for all eternity by what this book says. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is all that this Bible offers him and you reject him, he's going to rise up and be your judge in that great day. And Jesus Christ says, the words that I speak unto you, they shall judge you in that great day. There is a day of judgment and an accounting when God will hold you accountable for the deeds which you have done in the flesh. And there's only one place where you can get out from under that judgment and that's to flee to the cross of Calvary. There's only one place where the consequences of your sin can be pardoned and you can be freed. And that's in the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. Did I tell you, maybe I did tell you when I came back from India, I've been out there and we've been around this whole world and we've seen all these different pagan religions and they're called heathen religions in the Bible. And oh, beloved, when you get down there into Carol and you see these low caste people, the poor, and you see the light of the risen Christ in their faces, they're redeemed. Beloved Buddha, he's dead. All they got is a stone image of him, a wooden sort of... Uh, replica of this thing. Muhammad, they all go over there to Mecca to see where he's buried and his bones are still there. Uh, just name who you will, if you please. Krishna, he's another one they're worshipping in India. Now they're beginning to worship Gandhi in India. He's dead. Of course, Gandhi, they burned him up. He went into smoke. Ladies and gentlemen, beloved, there's only one person in all the human race, of all the religions, anywhere on the face of this earth, who opened up the door of death, came out of the tomb, and he's alive. Beloved, I'll do anything for that Christ. I'll suffer any reproach for that Christ. I'll endure any persecution for that Christ. Let it come, whatever it may be. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only Redeemer of mankind. There is no other Redeemer. Don't confuse the gospel. Don't confuse the testimony that he wants you and me to give to Jesus Christ. And this great Presbyterian church has gotten away from the infallibility of the Bible. And now every man is going to preach what he thinks will be the word of God. 
It's going to be a strange church, ladies and gentlemen. Every preacher is going to preach what he wants to from his own pulpit. And they're going to have all kinds of programs. But now it's the great all-encompassing ideal that regardless of what you believe, regardless of how you think, we must all unite. And we'll finally get together and we'll have a great church. And when they've rejected a great Bible, a true Bible, then they turn around and exalt their great church. And that's the way this thing's moving and it's coming right into Camden County. It's coming right into... My, I was so happy when I picked this up and read it. Thank God the Bible Presbyterian Church of Cherry Hill isn't there. And there's some other groups over there in Cherry Hill, some other independent Baptist groups that are not there. But there are several names on there that it's a disgrace that they are there. Oh, beloved, you dear people living in Camden County, you say, yes, Pastor, go off to India and come back and tell us about, about what happened. And you say, isn't that marvelous? Well, when I get back from India, I find it going on in my own county. And then I have to tell you about it in my own county, in my own town, in my own area where I'm living. And let's have churches in this area of South Jersey that stand unitedly for the Bible as God's infallible word, stand unitedly for the blood of Christ, and will not confuse it, and will not compromise it by misleading associations, and by putting out joint programs such as we have here, telling us they introduce people to the historic leaders of the faith. Young ladies, does Jesus mean enough to you that you're willing to stand alone with him? Does he mean enough to you? Does he mean enough to this church and all that we've stood for that we will stand alone and stand aside and will not go on in this broader association where there's this different confusion. Well, it doesn't make any difference. You can go if you want to over there at the Unitarian Church. That's all right. They'll get you there. You can go over here if you want to. The Jewish rabbis, they'll get you there. You can go over there if you want to to the Roman Catholic Church. They're all right. They're good people. They'll get you there. You, you, the one place you don't want to go is to the Bible Presbyterian Church. And that's the one place you ought not to go. Oh, beloved, this idea, it makes no difference what you believe. We'll just cooperate. We'll just have unity. We'll just have this program. And they're putting unity and cooperation above the truth and above Jesus Christ. And when I turn to this prophecy of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah tells them that God's anger will be upon them, they can't come into his house and say they're worshiping Jehovah and then go off out here and have these affairs with these other uh, ideas and these other temples and these uh, services to Baal and make their cakes to the Queen of Heaven. And beloved, I tell you tonight, when you try to carry water on both shoulders, when you try to ride two kinds of belief at the same time, you really don't have any real redemption in your soul and you go out in all these sins that are enumerated here. And you'll find that these great ecumenical churches are just filled with all manner of wickedness and corruption in the hearts and the lives of their people. But the churches that are separate and the churches that are preaching the judgment of God upon your disobedience, these are the churches that are changing people and building people up and bringing people to the place where in the fear of Almighty God we eschew evil, we love righteousness, and we seek to walk in the truth.
The lines are going to be drawn clearer than ever now between the development of the great ecumenical church as millions of people are just brought into it indifference and ignorance and swept along with it and such testimonies as ours where we still believe in Jeremiah and we still believe that we must honor the name of our God and worship him in spirit worship him in truth Oh, that you people could understand these matters. And then when you find a church and you find a testimony that is standing, then you love it and you delight to help maintain it. And you want sinners to come in and hear the gospel. And you want others to come to understand that they may not be frustrated and spending their lives here and there on one side or another side and utterly confused. Oh, beloved, where the law of the Lord is, there, there is indeed a delight in the hearts of those who know the Lord. And it's that delight that enables us to stand and to preach and to love and to pray and to hope and to know that our God is sufficient for days like these. God bless you. It's here. It's in Camden County. Involves some people that you know and a lot of us who know. But the lines have to be drawn. And beloved, if I didn't stand in my pulpit and deal with these things so you people could understand what's taking place, I wouldn't be a faithful servant to my God tonight. I must stand in this sacred pulpit behind this sacred word and tell you the story of Jeremiah. If the Lord, he is God, serve him. If Baal, he is God, serve him. But don't try to serve both of them. Don't try to serve them all. That's not the word of God. And since the Lord, he is God, let's serve him. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. My beloved, this is the message that the Spirit uses to cut down through the hard hearts of men. Because, my friend, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. There's no place you can get your sins cleansed away. There's no place you can get this sin question dealt with. You can go to the ends of the earth. You can fall before all the idols. You can cut your body and gash it till it bleeds. You can do anything you please, but your sins are still with you. Your sins are still on you. The sins are still there. And Jesus Christ said, if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. But only in Jesus can sins be pardoned. Only in Jesus is there justification in the sight of God. Only in Jesus is there cleansing in the blood that flowed from Calvary's cross. Only in Jesus has the door of death been opened. And beloved, we can talk about going to the moon and we see all these pictures now and they tell us that the service of the moon and I saw yesterday where they think a man's going to walk on the moon now. We're going to be able to walk around up there when they get there. And this fellow's been going out to walk around in space and they're beginning to walk and beloved, all oh, this is just child's play. It's nothing. Oh, what is it going to be when this Jesus of Nazareth 
who was raised from the dead appears in the clouds of heaven and he utters that voice and the ark of the angel the voice of the archangel will resound from one end of the heaven to the other and you beloved will be changed you beloved will be caught out of this place with its fears and with its confusion you beloved will be raptured into the presence of Jesus Christ Oh, that day's just ahead of us, beloved. We're a people who believe in a heavenly host and a great rapture and a throne that's going to gather about the throne of our God. We're a people who have such dreams and such hopes in our hearts because they are grounded upon the word of this Jesus who was raised from the dead. And we're not going to join him with any other faith. We're not going to join him with any kinds of compromise. Jesus said, he who's not with me is against me. And you're either for him or you're against him. And let's be for him. And let's lift up his name on this earth. And let everybody know that blessed be the name of Jesus. My, how you love to exalt his name. Now that name is precious to you. And it's more precious to you when you have to stand true to it and faithful to it and sometimes just alone in his behalf. But Jesus Christ says, He who will be ashamed of me in the day of my appearing, he says, I shall be ashamed of him. But whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. And your confession of Christ is your testimony to your salvation and then a life of faithful obedience to him through all the days that he gives you. It makes a difference the kind of church you people belong to today. And it ought to make a difference. You have to consider these things as to where you're going to go to church and where you're going to send your children to Sunday school and whether they're going to be taught the Bible to be the Word of God or whether they're going to be taught some present day stories that have in them sort of psychological blessings that the psychiatrists think will be helpful for the temperament of your child. No, beloved, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to live forever. I want a resurrection body. I want to be like the Son of God. I want the victory that he's promised to those who serve him. And that will be ours in the not too distant future. For he's coming. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank thee that we are Christians and we believe the Bible. And we thank thee that we would be true to these great standards. And those about us, our Father, who don't understand, we love them. And all oh, that they may understand these things. And those who think that just religion or religiosity or religious cooperation will somehow or other get them there. Oh, may they realize that only Christ, that Christ alone can bring us to the Father. I am the way, he said. And so, Father, we would honor that way and that name tonight. And as we see these developments taking place now for the first time in Camden County, may we stand with those groups, those churches, those people who will be separate from this great ecumenical apostasy as it broadens out to include all manner of unbelief concerning Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, 
May the church be his bride. And may she be faithful to the bridegroom. For Christ's sake, amen. All right, hymn number 371. Here's a good one. Open mine eyes that I may see. <laughs> that is a good one. Open mine eyes that I may see. 371.